0: I think about the world of education and I'm bothered, right? My daughter is reading chapter books. How old your daughter? She's five. Nice. Why? When we brought her to her school, they told her when's her birthday. Oh, she's, uh, she's got to go into kindergarten, but the kindergartners are not, reading. Are not reading chapter books. Yeah. First graders are not reading chapter books. You <laughs> crazy. Come on. <laughs> you know, this is It's going to be boring for her and push her back behind. Exactly. Where she is because right now. we teach to the average. I'm wow. bothered by that. I want my children and I want everybody to recognize their full potential.
1: I'm Joe Lonsdale. Welcome to the American Optimist. It's an honor to have you here today with us.
0: Thank you. And I I appreciate you being optimistic because I think that a lot of times uh, we live in this really unique world where um, that optimism is actually being challenged on so many different levels. And I think that around each and every corner, people are just trying to figure out: you know, should I should I take the the positive path, or should I sort of fall into the trap of of pessimism and a level of negativity of where the world is going to go? Because ultimately, humanity hopefully will sort of sort of win out, if you will. We're both we're we're both we're both (laughs) optimists.
1: You you played you played eleven seasons in the NFL. That's a long time to be in the NFL.
0: Yeah, it was a good time. Um, You know, it's, it's strange as I look back. 11 years doesn't even sound like a long time. You know, it's like you all of a sudden, you know, you, you play high school and then all of a sudden you're done. You're in college and all of a sudden you're done. You're in the league, then all of a sudden you're done. 11 years is like, boom, it's gone. And so much of the world changed so quickly and so much of the game changed. What, so what years were you in the game? So I played from 2000 until 2011. One would say, because I went to the greatest university in the world. Michigan. University. Huh? Thank you.
1: You guys thank won you. the national championship there too. Yeah, we
0: did. So one could say that we were a professional team as well. We did not get paid. There was no NIL, neither any backdoor dealings or anything else like that, because we are straight up, you know, on the books organization. But one could say that I went from 125,000 people all the way down to like 70,000 people. So, you know, we'll just call it what it is. That's awesome. That's awesome. And so, and so you, and you, you, we, people also know you from
1: shows, you've been on TV shows like adventure capitalists and Tahani tackles the globe. You, used to be doing some media
0: these days still. Yeah. I, I had a great mentor when I was playing on the giants, Michael Strahan. Mm-hmm. And if he hasn't been on the show, I would recommend you interviewing him because I think that uh, he is one of the most optimistic and um, positive and uplifting people. If anything, he just wants to show off that gap in his, in his teeth. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, but I remember when I walked into the, to the giant stadium when I was just a rookie and my parents always taught me when you walk into the room, you want to identify really, not necessarily who's the boss, but the one that's setting the standard yeah. or the one that you'd like to live up to. And I think yeah. Strahan was that guy. And he told me much like so many other people said, you know, you, you play for football for a certain amount of time, but it's not going to last forever. I mean, the average career is three years, so you play a three, lot longer. And now now it's five years because wow. you're not allowed to get touched, yeah. right? And you don't actually practice, okay? Because they're afraid you, to hurt people. They're yeah. afraid to hurt people. And, you know, you, you don't put your pads on. Is this
1: like a whole thing where the whole society is getting a little softer? Yeah, what everybody's you're saying? getting soft. <laughs> I, and I, I have some strong opinions about that, right?
0: It's like people aren't wearing helmets. They're wearing, you know, they're just wearing, you know, sock hats in order to kind of protect everything. Nobody's – there's nothing physical anymore. And so it, it it's – and and maybe, just maybe, those that played in the 70s and 80s would say the same thing about those that played when I played in 2000 and said that we were softer. But I think there's a fundamental shift when you take the pads completely off and you don't hit at all. The physicality of, of the game starts to go a different direction. But when I was playing and Strahan was playing and Strahan had played with LT, and so I'm kind of dating myself as I have a little bit of gray hair now. But when when we were playing, we were we were physical and we hit. And so yeah, the time was only three years and I got to play for 11, but the transition was always going to be something that happened at some point. Right. Yep. For me, football, I felt like it was a springboard and spray hand hand. He kind of gave me this suspension to kind of say, look, you can play this game for a long time, get to know people, spend time with people, but there might be an opportunity in the world of TV. If you kind of show your personality and don't allow yourself to kind of be caged into the world of this locker room, mm-hmm. Express to people who you are, what you believe in and what you're passionate about and see where it goes. So you so well, I mean, you're obviously a fierce competitor, you're a positive competitor, you
1: can positive to win. You, what lessons and values do you take from that world of sports and competition and, and apply
0: to business? How'd that work? Well, if I if I kind of unwind the game, kind of pull it apart, I'm kind of doing my Tom Cruise minority report type of deal mm-hmm. in my head you know from a middle linebacker position one of the most important pieces that i always say is you got to be able to see the field recognize the angles I think a lot of times people go into business and they're so myopic that they miss somebody coming out of nowhere, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they they miss an opportunity. And I would say this quote, you know, the breeze of opportunity can come from any direction. You just have to be sensitive enough to recognize it, right? Yeah, and a yeah, middle watch linebacker, the field. That's right? interesting. You have to be able to see and feel the angles. You got to know when big Larry Allen is coming around to like crush you. And, and those that are in Texas and, you know, those that are in the NFC understand who Larry Allen is. I mean, this guy... I'm telling you, 6'5", 365 pound. You know, his head weighed 65 pounds, wow. right? And, you know, you could just feel him barreling down on you. Flozell, the hotel that went to that other school Did you ever get corner. like a
1: fair response when that happens? Is that like your part of your brain at least? Like no, the hotel it, brain? It,
0: it, it's kind of like, it, it's a little bit of an alert system that happens in your brain, right? And as you get older in the league and you start to feel these certain experiences you start to know where they come from and those are those are some of the angles that you have to be able to pick up on much more quickly or else you're not going to make the play at all right so i think that's one i think two is being able to understand what everybody else is doing right so there's one the angles two is understand where your competitors are where they're going. And have a have a sense of what the future looks like, but also at the same time, recognize the past. I think that has to do with the people as well that are around you. Right. So as middle linebacker, you're dependent upon your outside linebackers. You're dependent upon your defensive line and your cornerbacks. you got to know what everybody's cool. doing. So There's a lot of
1: strategic awareness
0: in, in order to win. How's team building and culture fit into that? Well, you're not going to get along with everybody right? You're not going to get along with your coach all the time. I can, you know, when I was playing on the Bengals, the first week I was there, I got kicked out of practice. The second week I was there, I got kicked out of practice. Third week. I started like a major brawl, right? I got sent in. I got kicked out all the time. Was this normal? No, it's not normal. It's not
1: normal, but it's, so you, it's, have, it's so you have opinions. I have opinions. You know, you know,
0: I just, I like to, you know, say what's on my mind. I love it. And Marvin Lewis, He kicked me out of practice. And the crazy part is the first game that I played in, it was actually in Seattle. And I remember flying to the game and I was like, there's no way in the world I'm getting on the field. Not a chance. There's no way in the world this guy who just got on the team that's causing all this ruckus is going to get on the field. Like not a chance. Mm. We got on the sideline. Game starts. One guy goes down. Game continues. Another guy goes down. (laughs) The game keeps going. Another guy goes down. We only carried in that game, I think, six linebackers. Three linebackers go down, you only got three left. Yeah, they need you. They need me, right? And so now, no matter what the package is, I have to be on the field, right? So in the league, you know, you have your nickel package, you have your dime package, you have your, you know, um, you know all these different packages, and depending upon how many linebackers are on the field, you can go with different packages. And people were going down left and right, so I had to go on the field. And so make a long story short, went on the field and I never left the field in the four years that I was there. Wow. And as soon as I got back home, I, I became a captain and I didn't stop fighting, though, because I wanted that team to recognize their own greatness where in so 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 you're fighting years, for your
1: opinion of what was the right way to do things. It
0: was the right way to do things, but it was also what I had brought. And this is another piece. You can always bring your history. You can always bring your experience from other places. And that's part of maturity. That's part of, um, the foundation that is laid. You know, you're sitting in your house, right? The foundation that this house is built upon. If it's not strong, it's not going to stay up. And the foundation that you, and that you build depending upon the teams that you come from. And I, mind you, I was at New York or Philly, and then I was at Cincinnati. That foundation reinforces how I think and how I played. And so I wasn't going to be shakable from the moment that I got on the field. And I was okay with fighting. And then when I, once I got to play, they saw how I committed to the game and how I was, how I competed in the game. And there was a different type of energy. And mm-hmm. the team hadn't been that good. And then all of a sudden, started winning. That's awesome. I remember my story several
1: years ago. I really liked you carried something around. You said when you got burnt out, they said family and legacy in your pocket. Do you,
0: do you, still, do you still do that? Yeah, I, I, I so I have um, I have a uh, basically a clip. <laughs> so I, I have this old office clip. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've had this for 15 years. Think about that. Fifteen years. This little clip, right? I'm still, still, still holding and, in there. Yeah, and I, I wish, I wish I would have made it to a business, but I don't think anybody would have, would have owned anything like that because they're just like, what is that? Yeah, I, where'd I find it? I, I, I found it on someone's desk. I just basically took it. But I have these little notes that I write to myself, and I, I have these letters that have been written by my family, and you know, family is first and foremost the most important um, piece of your foundation. Yeah. It is the rebarb. Right. Forget about the concrete. Concrete Mm -hmm. is nothing without rebar, but it'll fall apart. Right. Yep. Um, and, and legacy is, are the, are the feet that are making the imprint in the concrete. Right. And I've been fortunate enough to, to have, you know, four kids and I think about them all the time, but just as much as I think about them, I think about where I've come from as well. I think when you when you step foot on a field or where you move into the world of, of business, if you have those two top of mind, those angles and that history will always be as clear as possible. And so the direction that you're heading, no matter if it's foggy or if it's rainy or if there's storms or if there's earthquakes or floods, you'll always have that waypoint in order to kind of guide you to your destination. So talking a bit about family and, and legacy, what are
1: what are the big challenges you see in our society? What do you, what do you want your legacy to be in terms of what you're, what you're trying to confront?
0: Uh, so there's probably three things that, I, that I'm always keeping top of mind when it comes to so the legacy, I, I think one is, well, one is I, 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 have come, I came from a, a middle class family, my mother, African-American, my father, African-American. Uh, my father was in the United States Navy. My mother, United States Navy. My father went on to continue to be a, a military contractor, my mother, a physician. And I saw my mom at her retirement party. Okay. So my mom is an anesthesiologist. She helped open Kaiser Permanente on the East coast and she was in private practice. Yep. And I don't think I ever understood the impact that she made on so many other African-American and diverse medical professionals until I was at her retirement party. There were thousands of people. Wow. That all had her fingerprints because she let them in the door. Right. So when I think about the world of medicine, what does it mean? She let them in the door. She, she let them in the door. She gave them the opportunity. No, she was the no, chief. No one else would have given these people. No an one else gave them they, opportunity because they would have seen them. Was it because they was racist or because they weren't from their community or was it, or, well, what, was it, or what, what, how do you, how so do you think about it? Racism is a, like such a delicate topic because there's so many nuances that are in it. I kind of boil it down to, sometimes when someone walks into the door and you don't recognize yourself in them, you're going to be a little bit more apprehensive. You're going to be, yeah, you're not going to know how to engage with them in the same way. And you're not going to be as vulnerable. And so my mom sort of widened that aperture. That's interesting. And she welcomed the wide ranges of faces and looked at them from what she believed their potential and their true abilities to be not marginalizing them and putting them to a box of what stereotypes might Suggest, and so I'm watching all these people go go up to my mom and say congratulations. You know, I'm so excited. You know, thank you, thank you. I'm like, wow. If I can do the same type of thing, like sports is one thing, but business is a complete, completely different thing. And over the last three years, I think things have changed pretty significantly. And as I even was on this quest to kind of diversify the landscape of business, I think back to when I was on the Bengals in 2011. There's a lot of history there's a lot of angles in it. And I think we're trying to shore up some of that direction so that we can collectively work on things together. We have a long way to go, but I'd like that to be a part of my life. That's really, I think that's that, one. That's, that's, that's really interesting. I like that. Um, two, you know, I think about the world of education and I am bothered, right? My daughter is reading chapter books. How old is your daughter? She's five. Nice. Why? When we brought her to her school, they told her, When's her birthday? Oh, she's uh, she's got to go into kindergarten. But the kindergartners are not kindergartners are not reading chapter books. Yeah, first graders are not reading chapter books. You crazy! <laughs> Come on, you know this is, so, is, is,
1: bo- is going to be boring for her and push her back behind. Exactly, where she is because right
0: now. we teach to the average. I'm bothered yeah. by that. Yeah. I want my children, and I want everybody to recognize their full potential, and I want them to be able to, you know, and and this is what it's based upon. When I was growing up, I had the fortunate opportunity to be in Montessori school. They allowed me as wide an aperture as possible. That's and awesome. so as, as much as it was wonderful, it also got me a lot of trouble because I was asking a bunch of questions. Right. You're not supposed to ask questions. You're not supposed to challenge people. Right. Joe, you do it all the time. That makes our culture better if we're all asking questions. Exactly, right? Is, is it the easy path that makes you stronger or is it the, the challenging path that builds So what are you going to do with, with your daughter's education then? She says you have to go to this school that well, push you it know, backwards? I have to think about what does the new future of education look like? I have to think about who are those that are um, uh, progressive in the way that they're examining how young people can sort of, Ed, be educated, and so I think about public school. I think about private schools. You know, in Washington D.C., I'm thinking about all the different private schools. I'm thinking about the news because I'm I'm just gathering evidence, right, in order are, to kind of my justify wa- my, my wife. N-
1: my wife and I think a lot about it here. Our kids go to Montessori preschool as well, but then there's like the K to twelve. There's some schools here to let the kids go as far ahead as they want and they let them study what they're passionate mm-hmm. about, which is kind of a similar
0: similar approach. So, so, a quick story when when we were living in in Michigan. We went to go visit this school. I don't know why I can't remember the name off the top of my head. I'll I'll, I'll chalk this up to a senior moment, right? So, who walked to the school and the principal's telling us about this kid and and he was like, so this kid um, came up to the principal's office and wanted to have a sit down conversation um, because they didn't like the homework that they were getting. Right? Just came up, talked to the talked to the um, uh, the executive assistant. Of the principal, it's like, look, you know, I'm not really into this homework that we're getting. The executive assistant was like, okay, so when do you want to have a meeting? And he's like, well, whenever the principal can have a meeting. And she's like, okay, well, in a couple of days, the principal will come get you from class, and you guys can go have a meeting. So a couple of days later, the principal came and got the kid. You know, went to go sit down in the conference room. He had his whole, you know, pitch. He was like, look, principal, you know, Smith, you know, I don't really like how the Homework was laid out and I think we need to change a couple of different things. Principal was like, okay, no problem. We'll work through it. And kid was like, you know, how soon can I hear back from you? Because I want to make sure I tell the rest of the students, right? Principal was like, no, I'll get back to you in a couple of days. So kids like, cool. Principal and them worked everything out. They changed a lot of the, the homework that they had to do. They worked through the details. It was wow. amazing, right? That's great. Great story, right? How old do you think that kid was? 10, five. Wow! Right. So, think about that. That's great. If we empowered our kids to to sort of, or if we allowed the school to not say you can't go into the yeah, principal's if you, office,
1: if you could have that in the culture where you can push back instead of having these big giant institutions that are on top of everything and we can't question them and they're in charge. What if every person gets to push back
0: and have some autonomy and some choice? Exactly. And then to be able to recognize that child for. His or her or their ability to speak up and speak out and then to be able to be receptive because I think, and so I think there's also the other push pull as well because like as an adult, you're saying, wow, you're really challenging me. You don't know anything. So now we're at sort of a. That's that's the usual tension. that's the usual response I got as a kid. So so there's so so
1: there's there's opening up the aperture and, and helping people of different backgrounds succeed. And there's education.
0: Are you doing certain things in education right now? You I, I, I know you have certain groups you support and whatnot. Well, so obviously, I don't know if anybody knows, but like working with you and Cicero Institute, you know all the different ways that we're thinking about the world of education, the world of policy, um, and what the future what the future holds. I think it's it's a deep dive and understanding and educating because I think a lot of times people are so superficial. They kind of get, they, they move past, they don't even go into the details. They just read the headlines of the books. Right.
1: People. Yeah, exactly. And people want to reject things if they don't seem to align with their tribe,
0: as opposed to thinking about what's actually going to move things ahead Mm -hmm. for our kids. So I think that's, I think that's one, you know, I'm on the board of outside interactive. We own outside magazine and we own yoga journal, clean eating backpacker ski. Like, so at first glance, people are like, "Okay, you're just on the board of a media company." I'm on the board of a of a company that's going to change the way that we fundamentally fundamentally think about our environment, right? There's a lot of things that are happening in the world of digital. Well, we're involved in the world of digital, but most importantly, you know, and I, and I'll give you this quick story. As you can tell, I'm full of stories, right? So a year ago from today, not today, well, a year and a half ago, I was 45 pounds heavier. 45 pounds, right? Uh-huh. All of a sudden, you know, during the middle of the pandemic, I know people have put on their pandemic 20, right? <laughs> they, you know, they got gotten bigger. I had, to lo- I had to lose my pandemic 45, right? Because I finally figured out, it's like, wait a minute. I'm doing all this traveling. I'm going to talk to all these people. I get to hang out with my main man, Joe. Like, you know, and I, I get to go uh, sit down and have dinners. But I'm forgetting about myself. I'm forgetting about my own health and wellness, Right. What'd, you, what'd you, what'd you do to mix it up? You start working out more again or what? Yeah. I'm going to invite you to my workout, by the way. Uh, okay. So you're going to go on camera. I'm in, gonna, I'm you're in. You're in? Okay. Yeah. I'm just so you know. He's in. So, our, <laughs> so, so my, my buddy, my buddy called me and he was like, Hey, I'm doing this workout. It's called a 52 card workout. And I was like, okay, what's that comprised of? He's like, well, it's 52 cards and, and with spades, you do lunges and with hearts you do squats. And with, um, uh, clubs you do, Jumping jacks at the time. Doesn't, right. doesn't sound so bad. How, many, how, how long does this last? So it lasts for 52 cards. Oh, so oh you got to do all of them. You do, do all the cards. Oh. So, you know, and then you have diamonds, which are V-ups or twists, and you have the jokers, with the, which are push-ups, right? And so he was like, let's just do this workout. Well, so I did, did do it for the first time. I was so tired. Oh, my God. I was tired. I was the big man on the ground that did not want to get up, right? <laughs> I, I felt like there was, you know, the the bricks on my back. But we kept working through it, working through it. And so Monday, Wednesday, Friday, during the pandemic, we were doing it like 830. We just continued You do it every morning. No, just Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Oh, three, three days a week. Got three, three days a, a week. Three days a week, got it. Uh, Joe's committed to three days a week. I right. you know. okay. uh, well. So three days a week, right? And that's it, right? And then but what I, what I realized is that the power of consistency and the power of suffering contributed to a positive feedback loop which allowed me to get back to where i needed to be right that's pro- how pro- i think about outside you're probably pretty used to suffering as a kid pushing yourself through workouts i assume like yeah no and, much I, and, and yeah. I forgot how much i missed it yeah but i also realized and i think this is another piece and why outside is so critical people forget about the power of suffering it, people yeah, you, need, you need you need adversity in your you life you need adversity in yeah. life you don't you know, imagine if we were on an escalator all day, no, our, it's not our cool. calves would be all you know, like nothing, you know, our quads would have no strength. Imagine if everything was flat. It's good, it's good to no be, hills. it's
1: good to be attacked a little bit. A lot of my friends who are successful, they're just super careful and never do anything hard again. And then everyone lauds them for being the successful, nice mm-hmm. person. But, but I think, you know, it's more fun to keep putting yourself out there. Keep taking risks, keep trying things and getting, getting smashed a little bit. Cause that's, that's the only way you get stronger, right?
0: Think about how many, and I, I'm not yeah. a, a stats guy but i've seen the game more people are actually probably getting hurt playing sports now because they're, there's a lack of impact interesting right
1: cuz cuz their bodies aren't because get there's a
0: certain amount of bone density that's built at impact and i'm not talking about people getting hit in the face and getting knocked out and concussions that's a whole nother story and it's it's terrible i've had concussions I don't remember them. Ha ha ha, right? So you know that whole thing. Your your brain's doing pretty
1: well. I think you're fine. I I think so. I only had only (laughs) I
0: only had one senior moment. That's it. Only (laughs) one senior moment. But those are the types of things that you need you need to build up resilience. You need to build up endurance. You know, the other day I did a um I did a gravel race, right? I'm just learning about the gravel industry, right? And uh this was uh one of the one of the things that I love about our organization through Outsides because we get exposed to all these different competitions. And oh, by the way, while I was doing the card workouts on mm-hmm. the Tuesdays and Thursdays, I was riding like 20, 30 miles on my bike. And then on Saturdays, I started riding like 100 miles and 120 miles. And so I was up to like 100, 200 miles. Just for week. the record, I agreed to at least one workout. No, no, no. You agreed <laughs> agree to a workout. Monday, was a Friday. Monday, was a Friday, Joe. You said that. You're
1: talking to my wife before this interview?
0: I, I, she's like, yeah, he'll definitely do it. No, no worries. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll push them out of the bed. It's no problem. But I did this, I did this gravel event, right? Steamboat gravel, 104 or five miles. I can't remember. Right. I, I land in steamboat on Friday and the race is on Saturday, or maybe I land on Saturday and race on Sunday. I can't remember 105 some odd miles. I keep going back in terms of the miles, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's over hundred miles. We start at 6,000 feet of elevation. Mm-hmm. I think we went up to 85 or 9,000 feet of elevation. We did a total of, I think, 6,000 feet of climbing. Maybe it was like 5,000 wow, feet of climbing. That's intense. The temperature varied from like 80 degrees to like 113 degrees, right? Wow. that's, that's We cool. don't do that as a society, right? Because what we would rather, and I'm not knocking progress, what we would rather do is get on a bike and the bike to take us somewhere. Well, it is kind of cool and the bike has a little electric thing that takes you up the hill more easily yeah i don't use that and <laughs> all my friends that that ride with me if they have it i disable it yeah turn it off you i turn, turn it off, off. then it's worse because it. then they have a heavy electric thing it's not even turned on <laughs> and they're, then they're just <laughs> then, they're, then they're like you know <laughs> to, trying to hold on to the back of my seat as i'm climbing <laughs> past them you know but we we need to understand we need to we, put back some adversity and some getting outside and engage you with nature huh? yeah
1: hit somebody yeah i love it so so, so you see so 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 so, so t- tell us more what, what other kind of I mean, originally in business, you did something called Bowtie Cause, which I guess is kind of one of your earlier adventures that was both kind of philanthropic, but also evolved into, into a business. Like, how do you, it's clear you think about business in terms of causes, like, like what else are you looking at cause wise right now?
0: I think it's, I think it's a notion of causes, but I think it's a certain notion of consciousness. And by the way, you know, Ken Rosenthal wears our bow ties on Fox as he's covering the MLB and you know that story germinated out of out of one of my good friends, Kunta Littlejohn, who I didn't know that he had cancer. And when I did, I remember when he told me he, if you want to be somebody, you got to rock a bow tie. And then I was like, I'm not wearing a bow tie. And he's like, you got to wear a bow tie. I'm like, no, I don't. He's like, if you want to be somebody, you got to rock a bow tie. I was like, no, I'm just fine That's who I'm. I'm Dahani. It's fine. I'm, I'm great. And then I found out he had cancer, and then I went to go put on a bow tie. But I, what I realized. Was that in the same way that Lloyd Carr told, told me at the University of Michigan? It's not about you; it's about something greater than yourself, right? It's it's not just you standing up for yourself; it's standing up for others. It's about representing the things that you believe in, but it's also representing the collective of those that truly believe and have a certain level of consciousness. And that's where Bowtie Cause originated from. And so we worked with you know a lot of companies, companies and corporations to help them tell the story. But more importantly, it's about you telling your story. And so you know, you look at Bombas socks, right? They have a give back program. Tom's shoes. They have a give back program. Like a lot of these socially conscious companies. And that was like the first, I think foray for businesses to kind of get into this world where there is a, there's a, I'm a capitalist, but doesn't mean that you can't think about the welfare and the benefit of the people that are around yeah. you and create a win-win situation. And so that was very, very early on in my trajectory of the world of media and the world of sports and the world of business. So I think it, in the same way, you know, it adds a little bit more, you know, sand or water. I I can't figure out which one actually makes concrete that much more firm and secure and foundation, Mm -hmm. you know, it adds more to that. And so when I think about things or areas of which I spend some of my time, I'm always thinking about that in the back of my mind. So.
1: I want to, I, I want to ask you also in relation to all this, a little bit about masculinity. There's something we don't talk enough about in society today. Maybe we talk about too much of the toxic masculinity mm, side. Mm. You always seem to be someone who you're a very strong, man. You feel like you have a lot of duty mm. and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm curious, I'm curious what you're seeing in terms of masculinity. Are, are we, are, are we, are we, are you know, what, what do you think
0: society needs there? I think this is, I think this should be a you're uh, another whole podcast. <laughs> that's <laughs> a, that's what I think. Um, You know, I, I watched a, an Instagram post or Instagram story, somebody talking about masculinity and how it's really tough to be a man. I think it's, I think a lot of people are struggling in terms of what's okay or how one might define or what is the definition of a man. And I think about that, you know, having, having boys, Um, you know, I think about the definition of strong physical, I think a lot of what masculinity was defined as before is being challenged. And I think the because
1: you really believe obviously you believe in prudence restraint courage these values that make you a great athlete a great yeah. leader in business you All also you also seem to believe in competition and in winning and, and the positive side of that and a lot of people see competition as this negative scary yeah thing. i
0: mean you know in the same way that we think about the schools they you know it's not about winning it's about everybody coming in at the same time it's not about jumping off the highest point of the playground it's about everybody staying on the ground but, but I got, I, I got in trouble last month. I don't know if you saw what, ha- what happened. You did. What'd you do? Well,
1: you I, got in trouble? I got, well, you know. So I was, I was, so there's like, I, I think of the world in terms of dialectics where mm. there's truth on both extremes, right? And so one mm. extreme, which is very good extreme, is that one of the best ways to define masculinity is being a good father and, mm. and being there for your kids, being there for your family, spending time, building a relationship, being a good role model for them. Uh, another side of the extreme there is your duty to society, right? Especially, mm. and women and men both be leaders in society, Agreed. but there's a, there's a certain masculine energy of like, of like charging to the front and taking care of the bad guys. And that's like traditionally like the masculine energy. And so if there's a crisis in society, you should be there as a leader. And one thing that was annoying me is we see right you know, in the last couple of months, there's been some huge crises in logistics in our society and people who are supposed to be leaders, uh, were, were spending time at home on, pre- on paternity leave. Mm. And you know, I, uh, and so I, I so I, I, said a little bit too harsh. I said, "Man," and people are saying, "Oh, it's okay, to leave six months is normal." And I'm like, "Listen, if you're an important leader in society, who's a man?" Then you're taking six months away from something really important, and mm. you're kind of being a loser. People mm. do not like that. Mm. They, got, they got. You're wait, not supposed wait, to I, use the word. I can, loser. I can only
0: imagine there were some comments.
1: <laughs> there were some comments. There were 18 <laughs> international news articles attacking me. 18. There's a reply on Twitter. So, so I gotta be careful. Wait, wait. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Give me, give me one of the replies, because I I, mean, I can only uh, only imagine. Well, what, they, 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 they they take it out of context and they pretend that you're just saying all oh, maternity leave is bad. But what I'm, but there's a question, of course, where. If you're, if you're letting society down in something critical, mm. men don't need to heal the same way women do. They don't always need as much time as women off. A great woman leader is just as important to get back to work, but she may need to heal. The man doesn't need to heal. He shouldn't be mm. pretending he needs the same thing as women. People do not like it when you say things yeah. like that. They want to pretend it's all the same.
0: Yeah, they do. And things are not all the same. And I think in my, my own mind, and I'm just kind of just, cause I think that's a great question. I think it's also a great challenge. I think that so many people so many people haven't even been able to formulate their own opinion about it because then there's another level to your virtue signaling by how you talk about it how you talk about it because everybody around the corner has an opinion about what you might say and then all of a sudden those that don't even have an opinion all of a sudden raise their opinion to the top and then other people jump in because they think it's just something the right thing to do and then nothing look how bad you are for your wrong opinion and then nothing gets solved nothing gets solved at all so I agree I think that it's, it's difficult. And the one thing that I keep coming, I've, I've said this several times, not today, but the definitions of our society are also, you know, we used to put the, we used to put the, um, it's the Webster's dictionary down on the, on the table. And that's what masculinity meant. Yep. Where's the dictionary? Yeah. And how is smart. it being rewritten? How are these words being unpacked? You know, mask Or man, like all the words are being completely
1: disassembled. It's true. You're not supposed to believe in any of the genders anymore, I guess, which makes it it confusing about about trying to figure this out.
0: So, and I get it. Things will will be broken down and destroyed before they're ever able to be built up again. Things are always going to be broken down and and, And and built built up. But the question is, how will we build things in the future now? What pieces will we take from one place to the next? How will that cause the, um, divisiveness within societies because one person or one community chooses one side versus the next? That's the, that's the conversation. How do,
1: how, do we, how do we re-inject this? So, 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 so some people think maybe there's certain types of masculine energy in certain communities where there's not, not enough fathers doing their duty and, not, and standing up in and, and, and that, and that kind of positive way. Like,
0: like how, how, how do we solve these problems? And is that something, is that something you think about? I think about it all the time and I don't have the exact answer, but I think that being able to be open and honest and have a conversation where you're not ridiculed by virtue of even bringing up the topic is the first place to start. And it's about pushing to your point, the boundaries of the yeses on both sides, because there's truth and allowing them to kind of sit down and then start to rewrite it. But then I also kind of think that some people are disappearing into the, the world, and they don't even care about it because they've got other things to worry about. So there's an element of narcissism that plays in where it's not about what the greater good is thinking about in the world of femininity and masculinity. It's more about me. No, totally. I want, I want to, I want to, I want to try to end on a
1: topic of optimism here. We, uh, we started American optimist because so many people. About, but I want to go yeah. back.
0: You got to do that, that topic of masculinity. We got to do more on that. Have to do more. Yeah, have to, because there are men sitting at home that are listening right now that are wondering to themselves, what does it mean?
1: And 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 it's and it's them nobody to talk to. And it's funny because you get people, you get replies from like this Harvard law guy. He's like, why do you think masculinity is good? And someone else replied, like, man, do you think like the end of history is a feat androgyny? Do we all have to just be androgynous and that's mm. a good thing? It's like mm. this, great, Which I thought was a pretty good because like because these people are like Joe, you can't say masculine. Why is masculine good? And I'm like, come on. There's positive femininity. There's positive masculinity. I think that's a good thing in our society. It's a, it's uh, you know, you, know, you don't have to have traditional gender. You don't have to have traditional gender roles. You can, you, 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 you and I could each have parts of us where we admire and have feminine values and we could have, but we could be masculine and and you know, it doesn't of, have to be just gender roles. And, and,
0: and, some, some might say like sensitivity is just strictly female, but part of being a man is also being able to tap into your sensitivity and you
1: got balance. you got balance. You, got, you, got, balance you got balance. So, 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 so we start American Optimist cause a lot of people are divided. A lot of people are cynical. One of the things that comes up a lot in that is our understanding of our nation's past, uh, and what we've achieved and where we're headed. I'm curious when you're talking to your kids, when people are talking to their kids, how should they be thinking of our nation's past? And, and, and what you know, obviously there's mistakes, but you know, should we should we be saying how bad it was? Should we, like, how should we be talking about it to people and characterizing our progress?
0: Hmm. I think I think we need to be curious. I think we need to be able to ask questions. I think we need to be able to unearth the books that have, have been buried. I think we need to, to talk to the survivors and, and those that have passed. I think that we need to understand uh, without prejudice. We need to understand without prejudice. Think about that, right? We need to acknowledge where our nation has been. and, And, and we're still trying to figure it out because we're such a young nation. You know, we're not, Dated back to, you know, BC. We weren't, we weren't, we weren't established. We weren't around. Yeah, right. So we're still trying to figure it out. So, and I think we also need to give ourselves a little latitude. Right. I'm looking at, I'm looking at the, the <laughs> helmet. Right. You got Augustus there. Yeah, and the helmet for seventh
1: century BC. I'm looking at that. Right? Yeah.
0: We didn't have that.
1: Yeah, that's that's much farther past. That's that that's the history of the Western civilization going way back, going but, way
0: back. So yeah. I I think we need to ha- give ourselves some grace and give ourselves some latitude. You, and, you and, do, and if, do
1: you do you get angry when sometimes you think about the past? You must a little bit. I mean, I I'm Jewish. So I get angry sometimes a little bit. About I, I, some I get things I get happen.
0: angry. I I get furious. There's a there's a lot of emotions that are that are built up.
1: Do you feel like we've been progressing still? Are are you, are you, are you positive on the progress we've made overall? Obviously there's still things to fix. I'm sitting
0: here with you, aren't aren't I? I'm sitting here with you in Texas. That's true. Right. And I could walk out and I could go jump in a car and I can go wherever I want. Right. So yes, we've made progress. Um, Relatively speaking, as one might sort of decide, like we need to make bigger progress, but we need to spend more time. Right. You know, how, how are we, are we supposed to be like Dune? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Are we supposed to be off world by now? Right. Ray Kurzweil you know, projected the singularity and and are we at this exponential sort of trajectory of life where all of a sudden, you know, I'm going to take off on my buddy spaceship and I'm just going to go some other place. And like, what's it called in Dune? Cultivate, whatever it's called something, whatever. Well, it's-
1: you, you spend a lot of your time to honey with entrepreneurs, with athletes. Like are these people making you optimistic? Like what's, what's
0: happening in our society? You're making right me now? optimistic. People that I talk to are making me optimistic. People, you know, what I really enjoy, so I, I f- have a fortunate opportunity to go a lot of different places and talk to people. One of the things I love to do is sit in the middle row on the airplane because I get to run into somebody I've never met before. I I live in Maryland and, you know, I'm between Maryland and I'm in Michigan and I'm in New York. I'm all over the place. Right. And I get to go on the train and I get to talk to random strangers and for some reason they talk to me and I'll call up my teammates. I'll call up business leaders and we'll have open and honest discussions about the challenges of our society. And what gives me optimism is that I'm able to hold court. I'm able to hold a conversation, hold space to be able to discuss these things. And pe- people are working through the challenges, and they're working through the challenges. That's what gives me optimism. It's, we're still going to have challenges, We're still gonna get negative tweets. We're still gonna have negative comments. We still might get yelled at when we walk down the street. Fine, that's cool. But tell me how you really feel. That's awesome. Really, where you find progress? Let's keep the dialogue open. Donnie Jones, thanks so much, man. Thank you.